And welcome to Boat Talk. My name is Matt Murphy, filling in for Alan Sprague today. He has gone ashore for the day and will be back in action next month, but asked me to uh, help out a little bit on the show today. In the studio, regular John Johansson is here with the Boatyard Report and all kinds of other good information. And John Paul Lalonde from the International Maritime Film Festival coming up in just a couple of weeks in Bucksport. So uh, welcome to Boat Talk, guys. Well, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, here we are. And uh, so let's, um, uh, I've, it's been a dream of mine to uh, host Boat Talk or even just to be a guest. Really? You know, as a cabin boy or something like that. So here I am. You're more than welcome. welcome. Oh, thank you. You're this, doing a great job. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So far, so good. So, uh, John Paul, you are one of the organizers of the International Maritime Film Festival. And, and uh, can tell us, give us a little uh, thumbnail sketch of it and then we'll probe. Uh, you know, ask you all probing questions. Yeah, yeah Matt. So th- we, um, this is the seventh annual film festival. Um, started back in uh, 2017. Uh, we had a couple great year runs with it, and then COVID hit, so we went to only online versions of it. But uh, we're back in person for a second year in a row, and uh, we're real excited about the lineup that we have this year. Uh, so it's a three-day event, or uh, Friday evening, all day Saturday, and a Sunday matinee, uh, with a kind of a, a varied program. Uh, Friday evening is, uh, as Matt mentioned, the Oysterman will be performing at the Alamo, seven o'clock showing. Um, you just, if you were listening to the show, you just heard some of their great tunes. Um, it's a collection of three uh, guys who do a great job with um, you know, um, seafaring music and uh, storytelling. And um, I think if you come out to uh, the Alamo that night, you'll really enjoy it. They um, uh, an interesting thing we're going to offer this year with it is uh, so the. Concerts at seven, they're going to do two sets. But uh, at five thirty, we're going to open the doors. The oystermen are actually going to have uh, oysters that you can sample. Yeah, cool. Uh, Where are they coming from? Uh, they come from, uh, uh, I believe, down in Damascata. Yep, yep. So, so that'd be kind of fun. Um, and then we have an, an assortment of other. Uh, Food. Um, someone's plying some uh, mini crab cakes, and uh, and then the uh, Alamo will have their concession stand open for uh, you know beer and wine, and um, so get a chance to to mingle, uh, maybe meet the the band before the concert, and then they'll have they'll play for two sets, like I said, so you know, probably about an hour and a half of playing. So that about to be real neat uh, event on Friday night. Saturday is the film festival itself, and that's um, three uh, three sessions of it. Uh, morning session beginning at 9.30, afternoon session beginning at 2, and then the evening at uh, 7. And it's a collection of um, international films, hence the, the name, the International Maritime Film Festival. And uh, so we have... Uh, 
films were submitted and then juried by uh, our partners with um, World Ocean Observatory and some other good, uh, um, you know, movie buffs who uh, picked out a collection of about uh, nine or ten winners and runners-up and honorable mention films. The submissions are under two categories, either featured length or, or short films. Uh, so the films run anywhere from an hour and a half uh, down to got a couple films in the five to ten minute range. So uh, we haven't put the the, the, uh, the lineup together for the different sessions, but certainly the evening session will be the the long featured film that was the winner. Um, give you kind of an idea of films that were submitted. There was a Danish film um, uh, submitted. It's called uh, Salu, and it's about a, um, oh, a traditional canoe trip around um, New Guinea Island. Um, so it, uh, it, you know, a real suspenseful um, film that, uh, I mean, it was, it was a trip that lasted uh, 13 months and 21 days, so a lot can go on in that amount of time. <laughs> uh, you know, another film uh, submitted from Canada, The Women's Captains, about uh, uh, a lady who um, wanted to be a fisherman, you know, a lobsterman like her father, but um, and ran into some difficulties and uh, when her husband suddenly died in an accident, and uh, it's, it's kind of how she still uh, pursued her dream. Um, there's a, a kind of a film that falls into science and exploration um, that's submitted out of Australia, and it's about, uh, you know, some science on the high seas and constant battle with the elements, uh, insects and rats, and as well as uh, other people both on board and on shore. So that would be an interesting movie. Um, there's a movie called Love in Greece that came uh, from the United States. Um, and that's that's a uh, out of um, Gloucester, and it's about the Grease Pole. And the, the, um, oh, I know the Grease Pole. Okay. Have well, you ever seen it? I've never seen it, so... If you go down uh, the waterfront, there's a almost like a lifeguard station stationed out in the water with basically a telephone pole running out of it like a bowsprit, and then they grease it up. And I've actually watched, I don't know why I was, I was in, probably I was a kid, probably 10, 12, and my uncle happened to be there, and I was with my uncle, and we watched him try to run that thing. And it's very difficult to get to the, and it's probably, what, 15 feet to the end? It's difficult to get to the end. And it's interesting how some of them fall off, because it's probably a 20-foot fall into the water. So, <laughs> well, That ought to be an interesting movie about, you know, people's dreams and, uh, and uh, successes and failures and, and uh, probably a little bit of time of what happens in the bar afterwards, so. Probably a lot of the time in the bar. Yeah, failure seems pretty wet, though. I mean, you're guaranteed to get wet. Even if you win, you get wet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's a movie called Mother Sea, 
which is uh, out of Italy, and that's a film about, um, oh, it's, that was actually the grand prize for the short uh, movies. It's uh, only a six-minute film, but it kind of uh, talks about uh, a pregnant woman and uh, and relaying the, the life of uh, the infant inside of her to, to our life and um, side of a sea, but it's, it has to do with uh, a deep sea, um, you know, what do they call them, the, the people dive down. Uh, Sponge for, diver? For, for free. free uh, oh, free fall diving? Yeah. Yep. So, with a weight? Yep. Yep. Oh. Um, and, you know, there's a film from New Zealand, a film from Germany, uh, and a couple more U.S. movies, so... It promises to be a, a pretty exciting uh, selection of films, and uh, I can say that, that that information is out there. If you go to the MaritimeFilmFestival uh, dot uh, com, and uh, or if you better at googling, just Google International Maritime Film Festival and. And uh, that'll come up right away, that uh, website, MaritimeFilmFestival.com, and you can get more information on the films. Um, there will be trailers out there on the, on the website and um, you know, more information about uh, how you can buy tickets. You can buy tickets online. You can, buy, you can show up in person and buy tickets. Tickets are uh, for the Friday night for the concert. That's a $15 suggested donation um we're partnering with weru on that and uh matt's done a great job of lining up this group for us and um you'll be hearing a lot about that when you're listening to radio yeah absolutely we've got an announcement going on with a, a pirate captain actually makes an appearance on the announcement so <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah no it's we pulled out all the stops so um in-house pirate captain in-house pirate captain yeah yeah <laughs> Yep. So, uh, uh, doesn't just play one on the radio. He's one in real life. Or <laughs> so. Um, a couple of questions for you, John Paul. You you mentioned uh, the the uh, uh, partners involved with with this is uh, Main Street Bucksport World Ocean Observatory and folks who may uh, that may sound familiar to them. World Ocean Radio with Peter Neal is here on WERU Wednesday mornings, and that's the same outfit. Um, so how did how did this what, like, how did the whole thing get started? Uh, so, like I said, back in 2017, we started it, and uh, that, uh, I say we, uh, I, I'm part of uh, Main Street Bucksport, and we had um, this idea to, you know, because of Bucksport's maritime history, um, we thought it'd be a neat idea to, you know, we have a great theater there, the Alamo Theater, to have a film festival, um, related to maritime stuff. And over the years, we've had really neat films that uh, range from, you know, boat building to uh, some adventure sailing trips to, uh, um, I don't know, the one that really sticks in my mind was a, a sailboat that was built out in uh, California. And uh, it took 25 years for the guy to build it. And when he got done, he forgot that uh, he couldn't get it out of the, of the building. Uh, of the building. So oh, that's normal. Raise the building, and, <laughs> and then 
And then the trick was to get it down the windy roads to the to the ocean to to get it in, and you know, that was quite a uh, quite a feat. But that was that was a cool one. And uh, another one that kind of sticks in my mind there was a film called the uh, the Lobster Wars, which was about the uh, lobster war that was going on between the United States and Canada up um, of Cutler Jonesport, yeah, Machias Seal Island, yeah. Yep. So, um, so there's you know there's real real varied films that have been over the years. Um, initially, we partnered with uh, the um, uh, Wooden Boat, and they were a great partner because they uh, brought in a, you know their wide audience and. Um, but then when COVID hit, that kind of broke up, and and we started partnering with uh, World Ocean Observatory because Peter Neal thought that you know we'd be a good fit uh, because of their interest with uh, what's going on in uh, you know sustainability with the ocean, and um, and so they they've really uh, been a great partner. Um, they they're the ones who go out and. Um, seek the films, so the films come into them, and they, they form the jury to decide which ones are the winners. Uh, and then the other thing that they they brought to the table was uh, during COVID, they, they came up with the idea of continuing an online, and we still have an online component that if you're out there, and I, I know people are listening to the show or listening to WRU from all over the country, and Say well, I'm not going to be able to make it to Bucksport. The, the thing was, yeah, too bad for you folks. You're out of luck. <laughs> totally out of luck. Well, no, no, not they, really. Because you can, uh, you can, for a very reasonable rate, buy an online uh, pass that you can watch any of the films the whole month of October. And uh, again, you can find that uh, when you go to the uh, MaritimeFilmFestival.com website. Information on that. And what do you get on Saturday? I mean, on Sunday, rather. One other thing about partners. Uh, okay, partners. Uh, we've um, the big sponsor that we have this year is uh, Seaboard Federal Credit Union, and uh, their their generous uh, sponsorship is really allowing us to to make this all happen. So we want to really thank them uh, for for being a big sponsor for us this year. Yeah, thanks to <clears throat> them. The the local community in many ways helps out and certainly having a business sponsor is yes. a big deal. So Sunday, uh, our friend Matt here, uh, he came up with the idea of a great film and uh, it's called The Finest Hours, which is uh, the story of 1952 uh, a tanker that sank off uh, of uh, Cape Cod and uh, Matt, why don't you say a little bit about it? You, you, you've seen the film before. I've never. Well, seen and it, I used to live near that Coast Guard station too. But it, it, I can't remember the name of the boat now. But uh, Pen- Pendleton. Pendleton, Pendleton, broken yep. half. Right. Yep. And uh, and the Coast Guard went out from Chatham, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod to uh, do uh, do what they do. And so you're going to be showing that film, and uh, that'll be uh, two two o'clock matinee on uh, Sunday. We wanted to have an evening film, but. Uh, Patriots are playing that <laughs> oh. late that day, and we thought we better have an earlier showing of it. So, but and before the film, uh, a couple of Coast Guard representatives are coming out of Belfast and uh, talk about their experiences being uh, in the Coast Guard and 
maybe they'll all have some exciting stories to tell about some rescue efforts of their own. See, my uncle, I remember when I was a little kid, he dove on that boat. And he was one of the first divers because he was one of the first scuba divers on Cape Cod. Do you remember, if you lived on Cape Cod, do you remember a chart with the silhouettes of all the ships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my uncle did that. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. he hired some lady to do the calligraphy, but he's the one that did all the research. All the all the wrecks yep. all around Cape Cod, yeah. Yep. And if you lined them all up, they would actually stretch from one end of Cape Cod to the other, all the wrecks, because there's two to 3,000 of them. Yeah, right. But I know that I've got all of his material. And so I've got a lot of stuff on the Pendleton, and out there's also the Dixie Sword. I remember he salvaged quite a bit off her. That was before they had rules about whether you could salvage <laughs> what you could salvage. Yeah. But it's it's quite this it's quite the story. And, it is, and, uh, and it's amazing that those Coast Guard guys were able to do what they actually set out to do. Yeah, yeah, because the the uh, the waters around there going out past. Uh, Nosset Beach and Monomoy Island are pretty rough in the middle of a storm. In the well, and what's worse is then the, the, the land formation will change. Yeah. Because now, do you remember when Monomoy was attached? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And now it's not, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Things, uh, things change down what there. What is then. it? They, they used to tell me, because I grew up in Mattapoisett, and I think the, the Cape would lose three feet every year, but it would go somewhere else up on the cape. Right, right. It would, it would always be, it would still be there, just rearranged. That's <laughs> just why I heard it. Every year it gets rearranged. <laughs> so anything else you want to share with us, John Paul, about the International Maritime Film Festival? No, I just think it's a great opportunity to, to come uh, any one of those events or for all of them uh, to, to experience some varied uh, marine related uh, films and music and uh, and then spend time and join uh, downtown Bucksport, uh, you know, places to eat uh, on Saturday in between, uh, in between the shows. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're real excited about it and hope to see you come out. Um, again, go to that uh, maritimefilmfestival.com website and, uh, and you can find out more and uh, get the exact schedules. But, um, you know, we hope to hope to see you out for one or all of those events. Is there a worry that you could actually uh, be full? Uh, you know, I'm, I would think the, especially the uh, concert uh, on Friday night. Friday night. Um, you know, Oystermen come with quite a following of their own, and uh, we had them perform last year at the – uh, Buck Memorial Library, and some people had to sit outside to be able to listen. But right. uh, so we moved it to the Alamo this year to have a, you know, a bigger capacity. And, um, and we, we hope, uh, and we hate for you to come and have to turn you away. But uh, we hope we have that problem. So yeah. how many seats do you have in the Alamo? Uh, there's about 135. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, I mean that's that's gonna be a great. Great size for a concert. Um, Saturday events, uh, because it's spread out all day long, um, and we've never had uh, an issue with filling that. Um, Sunday, I expect another big audience for that. Uh, I just think that's a type of film that uh, you don't you don't get a chance to see very often, and um, you know, and some people maybe saw, saw it like Matt and say. Geez, yeah, I remember that. I'd like to see it again. Okay. That's where I saw it at the Alamo a yeah. bunch of years ago. Yeah. So, um, 
But again, I, I don't think we'll have to worry. Um, you know, Sunday afternoon is, is not the greatest time for people to come out. But if you come out, I think you have a good chance to see a to see a really exciting uh, on the edge of your seat uh, movie that you really enjoy. And on the Oysterman Friday night, the Oystermen are Smokey McKean on uh, guitar and um, accordion and vocals, and Carter Newell on fiddle and vocals, and Eric Ralston on bass and mandolin and vocals, and they harmonize. And uh, it's you know if you if you like anything maritime, you'll really enjoy the music on that show. And we're really happy that we were able to partner with you guys to uh, bring the oystermen again. And then, of course, you can eat some oysters out in the lobby. So, Because <laughs> yeah. they actually are oystermen. They're, 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 uh, they're, that's not just a name of the, of the band. That's what they do. So what they do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's always great to go see a concert where, where the uh, musicians are really enjoying themselves, and, and they'll promise to be enjoying themselves. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 a, it's a great show, and... Um, uh, you know, they have a lot of fun, and the audience has a lot of fun. and So put that one on your calendar for sure. Yeah. Come dressed as a, a mariner and, well, I don't know. <laughs> come in your rain slicker. Come in your rain slicker and you uh, you get an oyster. <laughs> and I don't know. Um, so, well, John Paul, uh, thanks very much for being with us here on uh, on Botox. Oh, thanks. You know, I just, it, it, when I... Uh, my first introduction to both talk was I, was I was in the truck and I heard his voice on there and I go, that's Giffy Full. <laughs> and and to, to be able to be sitting in the same chair as Giffy Full, I, I feel pretty honored. So It's always an honor to be around Giffy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. There's one of a kind. <laughs> that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks very much. And, yeah, uh, thank you. Let's... Um, Let's uh good luck with the festival too. Hope everything will work out just right. Great, thanks. Thank you. All right, John. So are we going to be able to take phone calls today? Um would you like to take them? To, yes, we can. We can right in the if somebody wants to stop me something, from squealing. Okay, if there's something on the in the boatyard report that yeah. they uh want. So the number um is 207-618-8819. That's 207-618 8819 and that's if you'd like to uh, call in and and ask a question of John or or uh, make a comment something that the boatyard report fires Any, up anything, in you anything maritime anything maritime go and for it i'll make up an answer cuz i know nothing well that's what we do yeah that <laughs> all right then well why don't you have at it and, and okay. I'll, I'll watch the phone all right sounds good all right all right, so what we do is, our usual, is I've got boatyard news, and, of course, I've been up and down the coast. I think the truck just turned over 317,000 miles. Uh, poor GMC. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, working your way down, I know that Jeremy Beal finished off uh, Wayne Beal 40 uh, that got totally uh, redone. Uh, she's now over at Dennis's Welding on Beal's Island ready to get... Uh, her engine hooked up, that sort of thing, and then she'll be ready for the water. Uh, coming south, uh, I stopped in at H&H and talked to Scott Worcester, who's one of the new owners of H&H uh, Marine, and uh, he uh, basically is uh, looking to do some different things and you know upgrade some technology and stuff. So that was kind of enlightening, because uh, you know if you talk to some people, you know it's 
uh, interesting to uh, go from uh, polyester to uh, vinyl ester resins and then jump all the way into, uh, you know, uh, epoxies and stuff like that. Because the epoxy guys always tell us that we're in the Stone Age still. So, but anyways, let's go down all the way down to Friendship Boat. And they, they had inside, it was Wait and See. And she's an RP42 that she was in for some extensive work. Basically what they did is they, uh, they basically cut the uh, stern out of her, uh, made an open stern, put back in some of the metalwork, uh, and then they uh, enclosed the uh, open wheelhouse, so she's now a split wheelhouse. Uh, did some other uh, small type of jobs, but she's basically was supposed to be in there one month. Uh, unfortunately, she was there three months, which that's how it usually goes, and she was headed back to the water. She was owned by a fisherman right there in fact, it's uh, uh, Keith Simmons' son. Uh, I think he's called Little Keith. Um, and so, and then uh, earlier this summer, they finished off a Calvin Beale 38 hull for a fisherman out of Providence, Rhode Island, and she was launched sometime early summer, and she's already been delivered. And now they're waiting for a Calvin Beale 36 hull, uh, and this is being finished off by. Um, for a New Jersey Yacht Club, and she'll be powered with a 600-horsepower Cummins, and the accommodations are going to be a little better than uh, normally what you would see in a uh, Yacht Club boat. Uh, she'll have a berth galley with refrigerator, microwave, and a head, and a very large electronic package. Uh, Rockport Marine's got two really neat projects in there. Uh, one is a brand-new boat, and uh, it's called... Uzel, the Project Uzel, and she was basically uh, designed by Langan Design Partners of Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, what happens is Sam Chamberlain, who's the designer at Rockport Marine, then takes their designs and builds construction designs. So he and three other people in the design office are basically working uh, all day long trying to keep up with the workers on the floor. She's a 95-footer, which is pretty big for, uh, for them to be building because usually it means that uh, Brownell Boatworks from Mattapoisett, Massachusetts will have to come up to move her from the shop across the way and launch her on the other side of the harbor. Uh, so the hull is upside down. Uh, basically, all four layers are on the hull, and they are now fair in the hull, so it's perfectly smooth, and then she'll be taken outside, lifted up, and rolled over. And I would bet that they're also uh, putting together the actual interior of the boat. Uh, the other major job, oh, this boat won't go over until the summer of 2025. That's how much, you know, a 95-footer, they don't get done overnight, unfortunately. Uh, the other one that's in there is a repair job, and it's pretty extensive. This boat had an argument with some rocks off of Rhode Island. Uh, in a storm. She probably broke her mooring, and she's called Narwhal. She's an L. Francis Herstoff de design that was built out on the West Coast, and the whole port side had multiple holes. It looked like she'd been chewed uh, pretty good, and so instead of trying to fill each hole, even though they were pretty sizable, you know, some of them two feet, three feet in length, and, you know, a couple feet high, what they did is they cut a big hole, <laughs> connected all the dots because it's going to be <clears throat> actually easier to actually re-laminate the coal-molded hull. Because, again, she's four layers. It's four and aft, 
the first layer or the inner layer, then two diagonals, and then the outside is also a four and a half layer. So she's underway. Uh, fortunately, if you look inside the boat, uh, she's not badly damaged, but they had to remove most of the uh, uh, interior structure from the port side to, so that they could get at the, the framework and, uh, you know, do the work they needed to to the hull. So she should be done sometime uh, probably within the, uh, this winter and probably go over in, the, in uh, next spring. Hurricane was an interesting boat. I'm not sure where she was built, uh, but she for years was the Isla Shoals boat that went out and serviced uh, one of the islands for, I think it's the uh, University of New Hampshire, and she was a charter boat for them. Well, she got purchased by a private uh, owner, and they actually turned her into a yacht. And so that was a couple of year project. They actually had to do a lot extensive work to the hull uh, bottom, you know, redo some of the framing, redo some of the floor timbers, that sort of stuff. And then they uh, last winter they did uh, uh, the interior uh, layout, which was a very, very comfortable liveaboard. And she spent most of her summer here in Penobscot Bay running around, but she will be headed south this fall and going to somewhere around Boston, if not even Boston. Uh, for the remainder of her uh, time. Uh, Washburn and Dowdy is always a fun place to go. Uh, they once in a while will stray and they'll do a, a ferry boat. And they did one not long ago, but they didn't bid on the last one that came up because uh, I don't know how many of you know what a, a Tier 4 engine is, but it's very, very um, challenging for a boatyard to deal with because of the, I think it's called the CSR, uh, it's part of the exhaust system, and it gets very, very hot. So in a small boat like a lobster boat, it's almost impossible to figure out how you're going to manage that with the heat that they generate. But anyway, so they did not bid on uh, the last boat or the, the ferry boat now under construction. I believe that's the Dinsmore that will probably run between uh, Bass Harbor and Swans Island because that's where Captain Dinsmore helmed the boat uh, for, I don't know, almost 20 years. Uh, but anyways, they've got five tugboats under construction, uh, two of their own design, uh, which is their 93-footers, um, hulls number 135, 136. And one of them is launching the end of this month. And uh, she'll probably be close to 85 to 90 percent when she hits the water. And they and this was interesting because a lot of times what we do with lobster boats, we will actually have everything done when the lobster boat hits the water. Well, you can't do that with a tugboat. What you do is you put the tugboat in the water and you have to load her to certain capacities so that she's in shape. So, you know, she basically will assume her shape with all of the fuel, water, uh, that sort of stuff inside. So then you can start hooking up the engine and making sure it's aligned properly because you do not want a misaligned engine because it really creates a lot of problems. Uh, they've got two boats that are for Jensen. Those are 80, uh, they were designed by Jensen. These are 86 footers. Uh, they're under construction right now. And one more for McAllister, which is also a Washburn and Dowdy boat. And she won't be delivered till the end of next year. 
Uh, York Marine, they've got two facilities. Uh, if you go to uh, down Route 90 and you go by Johansson Boatworks on the left, about maybe a half a mile on the left is a storage building, and that's their, one of their buildings. Their other building is in the industrial park in Rockland. And uh, in there at Rockland, they've got a 46-foot uh, York, uh, which home ports in Northeast Harbor. She's been in the shop for uh, more years than the owner wanted it there, probably four, if not more. But she's had major, major alterations, new engines, uh, which also meant uh, rerunning all of the exhaust system. Uh, they had to redo all of the flybridge because the owner wanted to change some of the uh, configurations of the electronics, that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of work. And like most of these yards, they're crying for help. If you would love to work in a boatyard, I always tell people, well, pick your place because any boatyard will take you. Basically, if you're a warm body and you're friendly and you and you got some sort of work ethic, you're hired. <laughs> so it, some of it's not fun work. You know, sometimes you'll be grinding fiberglass and it's for a week, but, you know. Painting, that, painting the bottom of a, of a boat is, scraping the bottom is not the most fun thing. No. But painting it's a lot of fun. Stripping them down is Stripping, work. Yeah. Yes. Hey, let me jump in uh, sure. for a second here and give that number again of anyone who'd like to call in with a comment or question. Anything... Anything nautical, John will uh, will answer, and I will uh, <laughs> we'll just fake it. I'll fake it and provide moral support. Two zero seven six one eight 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 one nine. That's two zero seven six one eight 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 one nine. And you can uh, got about oh about uh, fifteen minutes left in the show, so there's time if you'd like to call in with a comment or question. Back to you, John. All right. Another boat that's in at uh, York Marine, and this one is actually in the storage shed there on Route 90. Uh, it's a Whisper Jet 36 that he was preparing for sale. He had a Hick, uh, Hinkley picnic boat in there. She's a 36 that's basically been in storage for a number of years. She's going to be up for sale. Uh, so they're getting those both of those boats spiffied up and ready to go uh, on the market. Uh, there's a number of projects in that building. There was a boat, that, a small lobster boat hull that came up from uh, New York that they're going to uh, make into sort of a yacht, a day boat, and uh, get her ready for next year. There's a, uh, he's building a couple of York 18s. I think those were designed by Chuck Payne. Uh, and so he's got quite a bit of work this winter. One of the things is also... Oh, oh we've got... Um Zach in Bangor with a question okay. or a comment. Zach's on the phone. Zach, welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, thank you so much. You're on. Can you hear me? Yes, yep. we can. You're on. Welcome. Oh, okay, good. How are you, John? Um, it's Zach Cliver, and uh, I just wanted to call in, and uh, I don't, I don't really have a question, but I have a comment and a quick story. Sure. I loved everything I heard about the film festival. It sounds amazing. And uh, I've been wanting to go for years, so I think I will this year. But uh, I wanted to let everyone know I'm running a uh, 20 lighthouse boat cruise out of Bar Harbor on September 24th. We're going to travel 156 miles. We'll do Egamogan <laughs> Reach, the Fox Island Thoroughfare, and 20 lighthouses. So uh, for those of you who don't have an access to the uh, boats, like so many do, but if you don't and you want to go see the fishermen at work and you want to see the boats on the ocean and you want to see lighthouses, we'd love to have you. And you can you can contact me at uh, maincoastlights at gmail.com or call me at uh, 
9575. So where are you going to go out of Bar Harbor? Out of Bar Harbor, yep. We, yep. Leave, at, we leave at 8.30 on the 24th. It's a Sunday, and we get back at 5.30, and we have uh, breakfast and lunch on board. And we have two of the, pre- the preeminent lighthouse authorities in the United States on board, Jeremy D'Entremont and Bob Trapani, Jr. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be a fabulous day. We'd love to have anybody that would like to come. And I have a quick story because of the Maritime Film Festival I wanted to share. I was at Mount Desert Rock guiding a whale-watching trip back in 2011 in the thick fog, and we heard a mayday call over the radio, and a boat claimed they had gone aground on the rock. So we went over in the thick fog, and we were going around the island in the fog, looking, 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 and then we found it. And it was this beautiful big sailing vessel that was right up on the on the southwest uh, corner of the rock, and it was completely up on the rocks. And we, they stayed on the island with the whale researchers from the college that night, and then the Coast Guard and others came out, and they took the boat away, and it was a complete loss. And we finally found out what happened. They were coming up from Massachusetts. It was a very new boat. They wanted to go to Bar Harbor. They got into the thick pea soup fog, and they said, let's just put it on autopilot. And it was connected to the GPS. And they said, well, let's just go to Mount Desert Rock to start. And they put it on Mount Desert Rock, and it worked. Yeah, they, they hit it. On to- yep. <laughs> well, you know, that's a similar story to the Olympic, which was uh, Titanic's sister. Because she took out, right. I think, in 1930. 1930- Two thirty-three, maybe thirty-four. She took out the uh, Nantucket lightship uh, uh, running on the RDF, Radio Directional Finder, split the lightship right in half. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty common of like ships thinking that that other ships are buoys or so, or something. You know. Oh yeah. Not yeah. Fascinating. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Okay. Yep. Bye. Catch you later. Bye. So uh, one of the other things that I was very, very fortunate to do on my run last week, I came up from uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I stopped in to see uh, Paul Rollins. And Paul is a boat builder in York and a very good boat builder. Uh, But I also knew that he was had a strong tie to Bud McIntosh, and Bud probably passed away in the early to mid-90s. What was interesting, I found out while I interviewed Paul about Bud McIntosh, was that his daughter lives in Walderboro, which you kind of wonder how he got dragged from Dover, New Hampshire, to to Walderboro, Maine, but, you know, uh, things happen. Uh, but anyways, it was a really fun interview to learn about the two of them because Bud was getting into a design career and didn't really want to build a lot of the boats that people were asking him to build. And Paul was a very young boat builder, very hungry, so he kept pushing them over onto Paul. And, you know, it's a, it was a really uh, nice uh, evolution going from one builder to another. And always, uh, he and Bud were very, very close all the way through. And then his other brother, which is Bud's brother, Ned, and what he did, because he went to Panama during World War II because he was stationed at the Kittery uh, Naval Shipyard. And uh, they asked him to go down to Panama, and he volunteered, which, of course, most of us wouldn't have done that. But he actually got with a lot of boat builders from all over the country where some of the top boat builders and some of the techniques that they all learned from each other 
was kind of interesting. And it's also something that you hear uh, if you talk to people who had been at Billings, Diesel and Marine, during World War II. They were very, very, uh, there was a group that came from Jonesport, and there's other groups that uh, came from other parts of the coast, but Jonesport builds what we call a skeg boat. So basically the, the bottom of the boat goes in straight into the keel. It doesn't curve down into the keel. And the, the one that curves down into the keel is we call built down. And so there was always those arguments. And, of course, you know, I was, I'm old enough now to have remembered some of the old-timers telling stories about uh, why they did that and, you know, the arguments that happened. And then uh, Riley Beale, who built on Beale's Island, if you go over onto the island, you look to the left, that's uh, Perios Point. And Riley would build out there. But he was the only designer really on Beale's Island that could design on paper, and it's because he worked at Billings Diesel and Marine, and he learned how to design on paper there. Well, that cross-pollination between uh, yards and regions is yeah. really... Uh, and, and if you go beyond, I imagine, from one country to another country, there's... Well, just in sections on this coast. I mean, you talk to Richard Stanley, and he has an argument with a book that just came out, and I'm not sure that he's not right. And he says that there were sections that were developing their own lobster boat, but what they were also doing was watching what the other guys were doing and taking what they thought was a good part of that design and putting it into their design. So so when it all, all came out in the wash, there was... A really great design. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, let's t- we'll talk briefly. I don't know how many minutes we've got left here, uh, but lobster boat racing. We are finally done. Eleven races in the books. Uh, the big winner, without any surprise, was Jeremy Beal with Maria's Nightmare. She's a thirty-two foot Wayne Beal hull with with hard chines uh, that she was designed with hard chines, powered with a at least a thousand horsepower Izotta. And he was clocked at the last race, which was in Portland, at 63-plus miles an hour. But Glenn Crawford at CNC Machine already told him, enjoy your win this year. I'm coming back. Okay. So Glenn is hoping to get – and the only reason he really didn't pull out Wild Wild West was he wasn't very happy with the cosmetics. The boat had been driven hard for the last, I don't know, well, she was racing back in the late 90s or mid-90s. So she needs a little upgrade, and he wants to do that this winter, so she looks pretty when she comes out. And he's got an equally big engine, (laughs) so this should be a good race. Uh, Otherwise than that, it was a fun ride going from uh, Searsport to Long Island for the two last races because I took my big boat down. And when you look out the side and you have to look up to the waves, that that was kind of fun. Um, and uh, some of the boat, uh, some of the lobster boat races that came down uh, the next morning said it wasn't any better. Uh, I know Randy Durkee in a Holland 32, he was running behind either Jeff Eaton in uh, La Bella Vida or he was behind Alexa Rose, which is Matt Shepard's boat, because it was a little smoother behind the boat because <laughs> he had already broke the way for him. <laughs> But we had a good time down there, and the lobster boat races are always fun. We only had six less boats than we did last year, and I think that was really good because Mother Nature wasn't really happy with us for some reason because she rained on us most of, the, most of the time. Either that or she gave us a lot of fog. So uh, for those that are going to venture below the border of the state, uh, the Newport International Boat Show happens this weekend. I'm leaving tonight for it. 
I'll be there tomorrow afternoon after I go to the bookstore in Niantic, Connecticut, because i got to go to the bookstore in Niantic because I need more books. Uh, but it's always a fun time. Uh, you know, uh, Newport's an interesting town anyways. Uh, I've been going to Newport since the, what, late 70s. Uh, you know, it, that it, is an interesting town. It is. You know, you can go through the mansions. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I've always liked the history of the mansions. My favorite, of course, is Marble House. And for those that are moviegoers, do you remember uh, The Great Gatsby? And in The Great Gatsby, there's a heart-shaped staircase. Well, that's Marble House. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there was one uh, uh, young girl that was, she was given Marble House as a birthday present. I think it was her 21st birthday back in the late 30s, I think. And they froze the pipes in the house because she didn't think she needed a groundskeeper. And there was a foot of ice coming down that staircase. And it ruined, for those that go there, you look, there's a big, big um, dining room. And uh, in there is uh, uh, all of this plaster ceiling. Well, it was all destroyed. So when the workers went in, they were fortunate enough to look in the basement and all the moles for the plastered ceiling are, were in the were basement. washed down. No, they were all oh, good. Oh, they were all good. They yeah. were all good, so they could put the ceiling back. Put it back now, together. see, most of these homes are now owned by the Newport Historical Preservation Society, something like that. And so all of these homes are usually, uh, you're able to tour. One that you can't now is Jackie Kennedy's house, because she was an Auchincloss. So she grew up, or Bouvier, so she grew up at Hammersmith Farm which is just as you're coming in Newport Harbor on the starboard uh -huh. side, because that's where she was married. Well, we've got to wrap up for this edition of Botox. Oh. We've got just a couple of minutes yeah. uh, left. Um, you got any? You got anything more to share, John, before, we, uh, before no. we wrap up? I mean, most everybody is watching the Hurricane Lee. I guess that's its name. Uh, yeah. I just watched the thing. I don't pay attention to the names, but... You know, be careful. Make sure that your pennant and everything else that you've got tied to the bottom of the ocean is going to hold what you got above. And, you know, so uh, and if you need a harbor of refuge, know where you can go. Uh, I know some people are pulling their boats. Uh, my boats won't be pulled. Uh, mine ride out those storms pretty easily, especially the little one. She just points into the thing and just rides them out like it's nothing. Well, well, all all the best on uh, yeah, good right. luck with the, for everyone with the storm <laughs> coming through, um, and uh, hey, in, in the last uh, sixty seconds we we have mm -hmm. very quick answer. How did you get involved? Started with boats. Very quick answer. Oh, I grew up in a boat family. Okay, well that makes so sense. So I grew up next to a boatyard, Alan Veitzies. Uh He was a very remarkable builder. My uncle was a shipwreck diver. Okay. So and, you were uh, you were up to your eyeballs as a small kid. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been uh, this has been boat talk here. Uh, Matt Murphy and John Johansson. Uh, I've been filling in for Alan, who was, uh, as I said earlier, ashore for the day. He'll be back next month. He has been located. He has been located. Yes, <laughs> and he's fine. He's doing well. He's mm -hmm. he's he's happy. He says hi to everyone. And uh, so th stay tuned for more great programming here on Community Radio. And thanks for your support. We'll see you next month.